Oh my brothers, my brothers and sisters, this is an exciting time of the year, an exciting time of the liturgical calendar. We're coming towards the end of the calendar, and uh, in a, uh, it's very appropriate then that we start to hear about the end of the world. And also we're getting ready for Advent, and during the Advent we celebrate the coming of Jesus, not only his coming in the, in the flesh, in the womb of the Blessed Mother, but his second coming at the end of the world. So we have our lectionary placing before us various readings that have to do with the last things. And in our tradition, there's what are called the four last things. And the four last things are death, judgment, hell, and heaven. Four last things. Now, if you'll recall, uh, last Sunday, I gave a homily, and it was, it was mostly focused on the fact that we are spiritual beings, and as such, we are free to rise above our circumstances and are not to be uh, absolutely determined by our circumstances, but we're free and responsible, and we can rise towards excellence. And uh, that was kind of the main point that I, I gave that point in connection to this passage from the book of Hebrews, where it says, It is the point of men to die once, and then the judgment. So if you notice there, in the last week in Hebrews, we had death and judgment as the first two of the four last things. And then this Sunday, we have the last two of the four last things. We have hell, and we have heaven. So if you recall our reading from Daniel, it says that many will rise. Some will rise to everlasting horror and contempt. And that will be hell. And then it says, but others will rise, and the wise shall shine like the brightness or the splendor of the firmament, and those who turn money to justice like the stars in the heavens forever. And so that is talking about heaven. Now, I've got a nice homily on how already stored up for you, but today, I'm going to say that for later, today I'm going to talk about heaven, okay? So, uh, there are probably a handful, five or so, of certain aspects or characteristics of heaven that I'm going to discuss. And the first one, and the most important one, the first uh, thing that characterizes heaven is what's called the blessed vision of God, or otherwise called the beatific vision, which means the blessed vision of God. And that is the culmination and the fulfillment of all our faith that we have exercised in this life. At that time, we will see God, and we will no longer have to believe. So there will actually will be an end, or a fullness, or a fulfillment of faith. And we will no longer believe, because we will see. Now the sight of God, it's not a sight with our bodily eyes, but it's an immediate and intuitive, intellectual vision of the Blessed Trinity. So probably the greatest mystery that's been revealed, uh, the veil will be removed and we will understand the Trinity. And we will understand all the other mysteries of the faith to various degrees and depths according to our merit and our, our holiness in this life. That's the beatific vision and it's the fullness of the happiness, the supernatural happiness that God has called us to. Uh, but that is really, in this world, beyond our conception. And uh, what is a 
is what will take place with our bodies. Okay, because in the world to come, it's, uh, it will involve a, a glory and a blessedness, not only of the mind and of the will and the spiritual parts of the human person, but also of our bodies as well. There will be the general resurrection of the dead, and our bodies will enjoy various properties and characteristics, the first of which will be what's called integrity. Our bodies, if they were in this life uh, compromised in any manner uh, through disease or through paralysis or someone lost an arm or war or what have you, their body as it was intended and perfectly healthy in the resurrection of the dead. And it will be possessed of immortality. And this is not just a really, 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 really long time of life, long Immortality, properly understood, is an indestructible, supernatural life, such that you cannot die, you cannot be harmed. And then, in addition to uh, integrity and immortality, there will be what's called agility, a bodily agility, and that's a technical term that refers to how, in that time, our bodies will be perfectly subject to our wills. So in this life, sometimes our, our wills and our minds head in one direction, and our bodies kind of head in another direction, and they don't always do what we want them to do. But in the world's come, there will be a perfect subordination of our bodies to our wills. And this will be even expressed in something so wonderful as uh, the ability to move and to be present wherever we want to be present physically. We see this in Christ's resurrection. Christ decided he's going to be in the uh, upper room where the disciples were called, even though the doors were closed. And the closed doors didn't stop him. He just desired to be in the upper room, and he was there with his body. So also for us, in the resurrection of the dead, Lord willing, if we, if we make it to the resurrection of life, our bodies will be able to be present wherever our minds want them to be present. And then finally, we have the characteristic that's called brightness. And so our bodies will actually be luminous. They will emit a light. And we see this again in our Lord uh, on the Mount of Transfiguration, which was a foreshadowing of his own resurrection and a foreshadowing of our resurrection. It, well, it says that he was transfigured for them and his face shone with light, as did the rest of his body. That will also characterize the resurrected bodies of all the saints. And uh, the intensity of light will be proportionate to the holiness and the intensity of our life. So if we die with a certain kind of uh, intensity or degree of law and grace, we will be all that much more glorious and resplendent and luminous in the world to come. And not only will there be different degrees of luminosity, there will be different kinds of luminosity. So there will be one kind of luminosity for, for example, uh, someone who had maintained their virginity for the entirety of their life. There will be a proper uh, glory and splendor in that person. Uh, on the other hand, there might be someone who laid down his life and shed his blood, that her, his or her blood for Christ, and was a martyr. And there will be a glory and a 
discover that it's proper to the martyr. And then uh, there might be someone that, like a great theologian, like St. Thomas Aquinas, St. Augustine, or what have you, and uh, they were a great teacher of the faith, and they led many people to righteousness. And that's kind of what we're seeing today in the game. It says that uh, the wise shall shine like the splendor of the firmaments, and those who lead, lead many to righteousness are like the stars forever. So there'll be a glory that is proper to uh, the teacher of righteousness who overcame the lies of the devil and led people down the, the correct path, which is not an easy thing to do, okay? It's easier to fall into error than to walk down the straight and true path. Uh, and so that's what we're looking at in Daniel. But Daniel, this passage here, and the splendor that it's spoken of, what he's saying is not just for theologians and great people like St. Thomas Aquinas or what have you, but it's for all of us. All of us, if we want to come into the resurrection, if we want to enter into that glorious state, we also need to be wise. We also need to be wise. And so this is the kind of take-home part for the homily that I'd like to convey to you, my brothers and sisters, is that uh, a great and awesome way of becoming wise is simply by meditating upon the Bible. You don't need to have a PhD. You don't need to have extensive academic training. Uh, a person who meditates in the Bible under the guidance of the teaching of the church will become profoundly wise and will be, as uh, spoken of in Daniel, they will shine like the stars. We see this in our gospel passage. Christ teaches us, he says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not pass away. And so if we want to, we want to come to something that's going to take us past the end of the world and into the glory of the resurrection, we need to come to the words of Jesus. We need to meditate upon the scriptures. And uh, there are two basic ways that we can do this. On the one hand, there's a kind of a general reading of the Bible that we should just do. If you spend 20 minutes a day reading the Bible, you read the whole thing in a year. If you do that every year, by the time, you know, after 20 years, you have read the Bible 20 times through. Think about that. It's, it's really not that much of an investment of time. And, uh, but it's also important to read scripture with a good commentary. Now, to that end, I, I advertise here, and I'm not getting any royalties for this, but I advertise a very, very good commentary. Uh, this is a relatively recent product, Ignatius Study Bible. Ignatius Study Bible. There's a copy of it on the back table, uh, and I encourage you just to check it out. It's just the New Testament, they're coming out with the Old Testament. This is probably one of the most reliable commentaries uh, for the average layperson in English available today, and I highly recommend it. Now, more than just reading the scriptures from a kind of a knowledge point of view, it's important to meditate upon them. We need to set ourselves in a place uh, where we can be alone in silence and to really ingest and take into our hearts the Word of God. In Psalm 119 it says, I have hidden your word in my heart, O Lord, that I might not sin against you. And uh, when we really take the scriptures into our hearts, it has a transformative effect like nothing else. It enables us and empowers us to live a holy life like nothing else. Uh, in St. James it says that he has brought us forth, he has given us new birth by the word of truth. It is the word of God that regenerates us and makes us holy. And so to that end, I recommend a technique that's called Lexio Divina, which means divine reading. And uh, it's 
a, a set form, and it's a method, and it's a way of reading scripture in a prayerful and meditative manner. And there's a couple different steps and phases to it, and it's kind of too much to get into. But on the back of the table, again, I've left some handouts, and I encourage you to take one. And it goes over the method of Lexio Divina. And if you were to spend 15 or 20 minutes a day practicing Lexio Divina with the scriptures, indeed, I have no doubt whatsoever that we, all of us here, one day, will be wise and we will, in the resurrection of the dead, shine as the stars forever.